Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our podcast will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service and the occasional interview or ministry resource. We hope you'll subscribe. Now, here's today's message. Galatians 5, verses 1 through 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. This is God's word. Well, uh, good morning, and welcome again to all of you who are tuning in. It's been a long morning, uh, but we are all here together. Uh, My name is Joan. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer Lincoln Square. Now, we've been going through a sermon series on the book of Galatians, And as we get to today's passage, I think a pretty good summary of the entire letter actually can be found in verse 1 of our passage this morning where it says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom. As we think about this word, realize right away that this is something most of us don't feel like we have nowadays, is it? We are literally restricted by the four walls around us. And I have to admit, this last week has been really, really hard uh, for me personally. I find that my patience is at an all-time low. That's true for every single one of our members of the family. I'm sure you're experiencing that at home. But I know that for many, many of you, this spatial restriction might be just the tip of the iceberg. You might be experiencing your financial security crashing down on you. Maybe you're concerned about your health during this scary season. And for so many of us, the control, as John talked about earlier this morning, that we thought we had over our lives, our sense of autonomy, in a large way has been taken away from us. And so when we get to a passage like this that talks about freedom so much, what are we to make of it? Especially when we have so little of it. Now, Here's what's interesting about this passage, though. As I poured over this text this past week, what I came to realize, actually, was that for most of church history, if you were to look to seasons where the church was the most vibrant, 
if you're to look to seasons where the church was actually the most effective in caring for their neighbors and the world around them, it was when actually when they were persecuted, when they suffered, when they were pushed out to the margins. It's when the church community had the least autonomy, the least control, was when it was most vibrant. And yet, we look at these churches and they were filled with praise and celebrations and they experienced freedom in ways that you and I had hardly experienced before. So what does that tell us? Well, I think what that tells us is that maybe, just maybe, we here in the West need to adjust how we think about freedom. Because here's how we tend to think about it. Here's a definition of freedom from a pop psychologist that I found online that resonated with how I tend to think about it, honestly. Because he says, freedom means you are unobstructed in living your life as you choose. And anything less is a form of slavery. It's saying, I can choose for myself what brings me contentment. I can choose for myself the kind of lifestyle that I want to lead. And any obstruction to that choice that I have in the matter brings slavery. And that's why, by the way, so many people dislike organized religion, including Christianity, because we all look at that and say, I don't want some higher power lording over me. I want to have choices in my life. I want to be free. And yet, what I'd like to do this morning is go through this passage and show us how Christian freedom, the Christian notion of freedom is different, not only from the secular notion of freedom, but what we tend to think about Freedom in the religious sense as well. And as we do that, we'll also see, I think, that Christian freedom actually is the kind of freedom we've needed all along, but especially felt more acutely now. So what I'd like for us to do this morning is go through this passage under two headings. We have just two today. First, we'll see what Christian freedom is from. And secondly, we'll see what Christian freedom is to, what it is towards what Christian freedom is from, and what it is to. So first, let's take a look at what Christian freedom is from. Now, if you look at this passage as a whole, uh, Paul's making an argument against these false teachers that made their way into the churches in Galatia. And what they were saying was, yes, you became a Christian by believing in Jesus, and now you want to follow him. All that is great. But let me tell you, in addition to that, here are all these religious rules and customs you need to follow starting with this uh, custom of circumcision. And Paul's responding to that basically by saying, no, 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 you don't get to have it both ways. And his argument is this, you're either saved by grace alone and therefore accept God's unmerited gift of salvation, or he's saying you're saved by works alone, where now you have to claw your way to salvation by your own merit. What Paul is saying, it's either all on God or it's all on you. There is no in-between. And in making that distinction, what Paul is saying here is, is he's commenting on Christian freedom. And what he's saying is Christian freedom is freedom from the pressures of having to obey the law to be saved, yes. But logically, what follows from that is freedom from a guilty conscience. Now, I think this idea of being freed from guilt and not having to worry about that again, as great as it sounds for us, I think it's a hard thing to grasp for most of us. It's a little bit troubling for us. How do I know this? Well, let me give you an example. 
When I was a youth pastor back in the day, I'd get this question from time to time from students. I'd have a student come up and ask and say, you know, okay, hypothetically speaking, there's a lot of hypotheticals with youth students that ask these questions, and they ask, you know, let's say I believe in Jesus, and I become a Christian. But afterwards, let's say I go out and commit all of these horrendous crimes for the rest of my life. And he's saying, hypothetically speaking, if both of those were true, are you saying, I'm still going to heaven? And I look at them and say, hypothetically, yes, absolutely. And the response that I get in return is understandable. They're incensed with it. They're uncomfortable with it because they say, well, if you, if you say everything is only by grace then you're giving people license to do whatever it is they want. And they're going to go out and do all of these horrendous things. And I'd say, but you know what? That is the point. And that's the point that Paul is making here because he's saying in order for grace to be true, it has to be free all the way or it can't be free at all. And if you were to understand this, it would change everything about the way you would look at the world and everything about the way you would look at God. And friends, I know watching, I know that's a bold statement for me to make now, but hear me out. Because if you were to say, wait, if you really offer free grace with no string attached, if you say, well, then people are just going to go wild. And if you're thinking that way, that means your underlying motivation to be good is purely out of fear of punishment. And that fear, friends, is what brings the yoke of slavery down upon our shoulders. And that's what Paul is speaking out against. Because see, Paul said, if you were to get circumcised, as in obey one part of the law, he goes on to say, you better obey the whole law. All of it. Why? Because anything you look to for salvation and justification and righteousness other than God, which, by the way, includes His law, will enslave you. Because it lures you in and keeps you there. Here's how it works. Let's say you, f- you fulfill one law, right? You follow the custom of circumcision. So you put a check mark, right? You succeed. But here's what you find right after. There's another law, and another law, and another law after that. It's never enough. Right? That's what happens with religion. You can never be good enough. But friends, I'll tell you, even if you don't believe in a God, it's the same thing with anything else other than God in your life. If you're looking for financial freedom, and if that's what you are working for, what you'll find is that there's always more money to be made. If you're looking for freedom in work, to be able to do whatever it is that you want to, whatever it is that you feel like your heart desires, and so you want to get to that certain level in your career where you can do that, what you'll find is that there's always a higher level in your career where you feel like you would have a little bit more freedom then. Right? There's always more that your children could be doing. There's more and more and more to any of these things. And these things become our taskmasters so that we can never really enjoy the good things we have when we get them. But we are being constantly pushed forward by those things to attain more and more of them. And so here's what's ironic about all of this. The very thing that we look to to set us free are the very things that end up enslaving us, even if we succeed in getting them. But what if we fail? What if we can't follow the law? Well, then it becomes a curse for us. 
Right? What does this curse look like? Well, <clears throat> if we fail because of our own shortcomings, we naturally start loathing ourselves. We start hating ourselves and saying, you know, there's shame involved there and thinking maybe I don't measure up to the standard. But what if we feel like we're doing okay? But circumstances come our way and start threatening these things. Then we naturally become anxious and distraught. And friends, for many, many, many of us, we're experiencing that now, aren't we? The things that we once held dear. And if you were to come to a place where you could admit it, the things that we held to be ultimate in our lives are being shaken to the core. And friends, together we're going into the season where nothing is familiar. And we have no idea what the world is going to look like when we come out of it. I have a dear friend of mine who's a restaurant owner. Uh, He's a very successful one at that. And just recently he had to let all of his hourly staff go. Like many, many others in the industry, he doesn't know how long he himself is going to last. There are a million stories like that right now in our city. Everything that we worked so hard to build is feeling like it's slipping through our fingers. And what are we going to do with this? What do we do when things fall apart? Because see, when we rely on anything other than the grace of God, there's always going to be this baseline level of fear and anxiety that drives us. Times are hard enough as they are. But if you were to stake your life in them, it's going to devastate you. But if you understand grace, that you're loved, that you're accepted purely, purely by the grace of God, then you recognize that all of life is a gift. And when you understand that, it allows you to enjoy the good things when you have them. But you're not devastated when you lose them because you're already accepted by God. Your place is secure. But when bad things happen to you, yes, you will grieve, you will lament, you will complain, and you will have a hard time. I'm uh, I'm not taking anything away from that, but you won't be crushed under its weight because, again, you're accepted and secured. There will be a baseline level of confidence that runs through you. See, I have people that are uh, very close to me uh, that practice some form of Buddhism. And what I found with so many of them in the way they think about their life is what they hold to is so helpful Uh, in that they make it a practice not to hold on to the things of this world so tightly, whether they be the good things or the bad things. And they understand the fluidity of the things that come and go from your life. And there's a certain kind of freedom uh, that comes from that, where you're not swayed back and forth uh, just based on circumstances. But let me just say say this, with all due respect to them and to you if you uh, practice this yourself, What I believe is that Christianity actually has a potential for that kind of freedom to the degree that no other religion or worldview can promise. Because, see, it's not, this kind of freedom is not attained through meditation. It's not attained through this kind of emptying of the self as we try to let go. But rather, it's out of being filled, filled with gratitude and confidence knowing that we are loved and accepted by the God of the universe. And if we have that, and if we are rich because of that, 
everything else that we have is a surplus, and therefore we can open up our hands and say, we can let those things go. See, it doesn't take work for a Christian to experience that freedom. Because it's a byproduct of being loved and accepted by the God of the universe. And so that's the kind of freedom that Christianity promises. right? Freedom from a guilty conscience. And, and, and that's what freedom can bring you. This ability to, to tackle anything in life and, and not be consumed uh, by them. And so it's a wonderful promise, but let's move on. right? There's freedom from guilt. But what's this freedom freeing us to? At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastor and other members of our church community. If you have questions about today's message, send an email to lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our Sunday worship service. Now, here's the remainder of today's teaching. Right? What's the goal of this freedom? Where does this freedom bring us? And so let's ask the second question. What Christian freedom is to? And so for this point, let's focus on just a couple of verses. Uh, let's look at Galatians uh, verse 5 to 6. Right, Chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. It says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Now, right here in these little verses, we get the answer right away. Christian freedom is meant to produce a life of three things. Life that is marked by three things, faith, hope, and love. And what we find in the New Testament is that that's the mark of a true Christian experience, and they all relate to one another. And so if I were to bring them all together, I would say Christian freedom frees you to live a life of joyful certainty. And so here's what Paul is saying. If it's not through law-keeping and obeying the rules that you are made righteous, all that's left for you now is to wait for this righteousness which you hope. Now, when we hope for something... For most of us, it's because we're not sure if it's going to happen or not, right? So we say, I hope things get better from here. I hope I stay healthy through this. I hope we all can get through this, right? We're longing for something, but we don't know if it's going to come or not. But in the Bible, this word hope takes on a totally different meaning because in the Bible, hope is actually talking about an unshakable assurance. It's talking about a certainty in something that is surely going to happen. And so Paul here is saying that all that's left for you, if you've accepted God's grace, all that's left for you to do is to wait, to wait eagerly for the day you will be made completely righteous before God. Now here's what this means. This means that no matter what you have done in the past, no matter what your resume looks like, if you are a Christian, if you put your trust in Jesus, you can be assured of a glorious future in which the God of the universe will sweep you off your feet, embrace you in His arms the way a father returning home after a long work day embraces his children. And that embrace, that experience of this love upon your being, will be so great that you will literally be loved into a radiant and glorious creature beyond your wildest imaginations. To put it another way, God's love and embrace will literally transform you into a new and glorious creature. 
That's what the Bible tells us. And this is a kind of unshakable hope that Christian faith allows you to have. But you may be saying that's all about the future. I'm worried about the here and now. What about the here and now? And again, it tells us to eagerly wait. We eagerly wait. What does that mean? Now, the best way I can imagine is like a a little kid that is waiting for Christmas. And to a little kid, Christmas is coming. It's inevitable, December 25th. And in a sense, there might be some frustration that it hasn't come yet. But there's always this joyful anticipation for it. I still remember last year, my son, starting like in October, would tell me like, Daddy, we got 67 days until Christmas, and you would just be so excited about it. And that's the kind of excitement that Paul is talking about here. And here's where I need to pause and ask, like, do you see how this is different from all other religions and even the secular worldview? Because if you're religious, there may be an anticipation of a future with God. But you can never be quite sure if you can be joyful about it. Why? Because you don't know if you've been good enough. There's always going to be that question because there's more and more to be had in terms of your righteousness, right? The laws that you keep and the kind of uh, uh, morality that you keep. But even if you don't believe in a God at all, I mean, in that case, you have no idea where you're going to be a thousand years from now. And so you're living with uncertainty, and so the best that you can do now is try not to think too hard about it and ask these uncomfortable questions. But you know, when hard times hit, that's when these things begin to really make a difference in our lives, right? Uh, There's an article in the Sunday Review of the New York Times uh, that was talking about a novel by uh, Albert Camus called The Plague, And uh, that novel was released in the 1940s. And as you can probably tell from the title, the novel is about this deadly virus that spread throughout a country. And here's an interesting quote that I took uh, from the article. It says, at the height of the contagion, in the book, when 500 people a week were dying, a Catholic priest called Panelou gives a sermon that explains the plague as God's punishment for depravity. But Dr. Rue, who's a physician, has watched a child die and knows better. Suffering is randomly distributed. It makes no sense. It is simply absurd, and that is the kindest thing one can say about it. And so in the story, in times of suffering, Camus only saw two options. One, if you're religious, you see it as a sign of punishment from God. Or two, if you're not, you see it as being chaotic and absurd. But only if he saw that there was another option. See, because the gospel gives us the third option. The gospel tells us that if we are justified by grace alone, then there is no punishment. That means any bad thing that happens in your life cannot be punishment. And there's always a logic behind it, thought up by a good God. And there's a promise that everything is leading towards a glorious future in which everything wrong will be made right. And let me ask you, what if you and I had this kind of assurance? Can you imagine the kind of resilience and the confidence that we could have? And the question is, and we'll close with this, how can we have this assurance? Well, it's simple. You have to ask the question, how is it possible that I can have freedom from a guilty conscience? And how is it possible that I can have the freedom to live a life that is filled with this kind of hope? And asking that question will lead you to the cross. 
Because see, on the cross is where Jesus, have, even though he, had, he fulfilled the law within himself, out of love for us became a curse for us. And it's on the cross where Jesus, the freest being in all of the universe, being God himself, constrained himself in love for us. Because see, on the cross is where all of this became real, flesh and bones for us to see. And this is where we can claim all of this freedom is by just looking to Jesus. Any assurance that you need, you look to the cross and say, that's how I know. Because this is a God who was willing to become a curse for me. Because this is a God who was willing to be nailed to a tree so that I can be set free. And so friends, here's this freedom that is laid out for you. And in a time where we're frantically trying to figure out what life looks like for us during this season... Let me encourage you to take some time to pause. You may be confined to your apartment, but in your apartment is as good a spot as any to explore and enjoy what it means to have an intimate relationship with God. And friends, for those of you that are watching, if you've never done that before, let me encourage you to give it a try. And go to this God in prayer. Ask Him to show Himself to you. And let him surprise you with his astounding love and unconditional acceptance of you, leading you to have this unshakable hope. And so let's take some time to do that together now. Let's pray together. Our God, we ask for your spirit to come now. It is through your spirit, by faith, we eagerly await for the hope of this righteousness. God, it is not through our merit, it is not through our resume, it is not through our hard works, it is not through our morality, it is not through our law-keeping, but it is purely by your grace shown to us on the cross through your Son, Jesus. And so, God, we ask that you would make this freedom real in our hearts so that we may be able to enter into this season, this difficult season, together and not be crushed by it. And God, we ask that by your grace that you will use this as an opportunity to allow our church family to serve one another and to serve our neighbor and our city around us. For those of us that are going through a difficult season in life, we ask for your comfort, we ask for your healing, and we ask for your favor. And for all of us, God, may this season draw us ever closer to you as we rely not on ourselves, but on you. We thank you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our church's podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast and we invite you to join us for worship on Sunday. We're located at the corner of West 64th Street and Central Park West. More details can be found on our website, lincolnsquare.redeemer.com. Thanks again for listening to the LSQ podcast.